take your Bibles tonight and let's go to 2 Samuel and chapter number 10. So let's stand in honor of God's word here tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 10. I might encourage you also just to mark your Bible in Romans chapter number 12. Um, We'll look at a passage of scripture there at the end of the message, God willing, or at least refer to it. If you have it marked, then you can read it on your own time if we don't read it during this time. It's a great passage in Romans 12. Uh, So 2 Samuel chapter number 10, when a nation needs revival. That's our series. I don't think I've mentioned that in a good little bit. That's the overarching uh, series title, When a Nation Needs Revival. And I believe we're all in agreement. Our nation does desperately need revival. And it'll come about when we um, come to places, a place of repentance and biblical change and transformation uh, individually, though. And so that's what we're looking at here in 2 Samuel and uh, chapter number 10 is where we are. So let's begin reading here tonight. We'll refer back because there's definitely a connection between chapter 9 and chapter number 10. I think as you'll see, if you were here last week, it'd be fresh on your mind. If not, we'll, we'll review just a little bit. It says, it came to pass, and it came to pass after this. So right there tells you this was, is connecting. It came to pass after this that... The king of the children of Ammon, I'm sorry, the king rather of the children of Ammon died and Hanan, his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show what? Kindness. I'll show kindness. I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. So David says, I'm going to show kindness to this new young king um, named Hanan. And as his father, Nahash, showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanan, their Lord, thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? Slandering David, right? Misrepresenting him. From all indications in the text that we can see, David was genuine in his expression of kindness to Hanan. There there doesn't seem to be any kind of ulterior motive like what David might be trying to... um, you know, take over or something. There's none of that. It's just, I'm going to show him kindness. Verse four, Hanan kind of, uh, well, he's got to show how big he is here, right? So here's what he does. Wherefore, Hanan took David's servants and shaved off one half of their beards. You don't mess with a man's beard. I'll just tell you right now. That's, isn't that right? Bearded men, just don't mess with their beards. Cut off half of their beard. It says, and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. That's humiliating. Yeah. When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were obviously greatly ashamed. And the king said, tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. Verse 6, when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David... That's kind of like that right there, don't you? We don't smell good before David. They stank before David. The children of Ammon sent, watch this, and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah 
20,000 footmen, and of King Maacah, 1,000 men, and of Ishtab, 12,000 men. So 33,000 men. When David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men, and the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array in the entering in of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and of Rehab and Ishtab and Maacah were by themselves in the field. When Joab, verse 9, when Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, so they're in a pinch, right? Can you see it? Coming from the north, they're also to the south, that he chose of all the choice men of Israel, so elite fighting force, and put them in array against the Syrians. So it'd probably be to the north there as they were coming down from the north. And the rest of the people, verse 10, delivered, he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, verse 11, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. And then I want you to notice verse number 12. I mean, this is, uh, this is phenomenal that it's Joab saying things like this because Joab just doesn't preach too often. So when he does, we need to listen. This is good. Be of good courage, he says, and let us play the men. Let's, let's be men here. Okay, that, that'll preach, right? Let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. And notice what else he says. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. You don't see Jehovah's name on Joab's lips too often. So the Lord do good. The Lord do that which seemeth him good. That's, that's good right there. Do you see it? Can I say it one more time? The Lord do that which seemeth him good. And so then Joab drew nigh and the people that were with him unto the battle against the Syrians and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, they fled also before Abishai and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. So then the rest of the account goes on how that then the Syrians saw that they were smitten. And so, uh, uh, Hadad at Rezer gets in on it and he comes down and David told David, verse 17, he gathered all Israel together and David passed over Jordan with them and fought against the Syrians from the north and, and uh, defeated them, 40,000 horsemen, it says, 700 chariots, verse 18, 40,000 horsemen smote their chief general that was there. And so by the end of all that, verse 19, the Syrians feared to help the children of Ammon anymore. They said, if this is how it's going to be, then we're not helping you anymore. It's quite an account right here. Sure is. So I'm just simply entitling it this, kindness spurned. Kindness spurned. Rejected, disdained, held in contempt. You get it. Kindness, genuine kindness spurned. Let's think about that here tonight. I trust it'll be a great help to you. You may be seated as we consider God's word. And again, Mark Romans 12, it'll be a help to us here tonight. <clears throat> Gentleman named W.G. Blakey said this, if a, it is a happy thing for a country when its rulers and men of influence are ever on the watch for opportunities to strengthen the spirit of friendship. It's a good thing when, when leaders of countries are, well, when they're for peace. It's a good thing when they're trying to strengthen relationships, friendships, and the spirit of friendship. 
He goes on, it's a happy thing in the church when the leaders of the different sections of the church are disposed to measures that conciliate and heal rather than alienate and divide. It's a good thing when there's, when there's members and leaders within the church that are, that are endeavoring to get along. He goes on that it's a good thing in family life when there's that peace-loving spirit, peace-loving spirit. Men like that, um, I'm sorry, men that like fighting. Okay, so on the other end of the spectrum. So there's men that like peace and women that like peace, but on the other end of the spectrum, men that like, that like fighting. Now, there are times we have to fight, right? Uh, this is about a nation, and there's times a nation has to stand up and fight. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but when men like fighting, and they're ever disposed to taunt, to irritate, to divide, they are nuisances of society. Men that deal in soft answer in the message of kindness and, the, and, and prayer deserve the respect and gratitude of all. So given that, I would say that David is a man that deserves respect and the gratitude of all. I mean, is he a warrior? Oh yeah. Never underestimate that. I mean, he is definitely a warrior. He is, he is a mighty warrior indeed, but David was for peace. He was for peace. And I think that's a good mentality, obviously, that we all ought to have. Um, I don't know who said this, but I wrote it down in my Bible. So somebody must have preached it. And I just jotted it down. Um, Grace received is rest achieved. Grace received is rest achieved. So David being gracious to Mephibosheth, it gave rest. Grace spurned is wrath earned. Grace Spurned is wrath earned. In other words, you, you got it coming to you. So David's response here, though, is highlighted. Now, the reason I think that this is a helpful, though very unique passage, I, I, I've never preached this passage, and, and you read through it, and, and uh, maybe it's one of those that you're not sure exactly what to make of it, but I think it's very clear that, that David was genuinely endeavoring to be kind, um, and yet his kindness was rejected with disdain. We'll get into that in just a moment. But I would imagine that there's times when you've endeavored to be kind and it's been spurned. Times when you've made the effort uh, to have a good, a good uh, relationship with somebody and it's been turned away. Has that been the case? Or maybe you've been misunderstood or misrepresented. Um, how do you respond in those times? Well, there's one of two ways. You're either going to respond in personal hurt or according to principle. You're either going to respond according to personal hurt or according to principle. And what I see here in the text is that when David was, when his kindness was spurned, um, that he, he responded according to principle, not according to personal hurt. So, I, I believe if we'll really dig into this and try to first of all understand the historical context and what was going on and then see the commonality between that, that and where we are now, keep it in mind that we are individuals and a church, not nations. That'll be important to the text, to our understanding of the text. That we'll see that, um, that really, regardless of how somebody treats you, you ought to have the right response. But I believe that we all would agree that 
our natural tendency uh, when hurt is to respond with hurt. Whether that's between spouses or between parents and children or between friends, even best of friends, there can be misunderstandings and, uh, and there can be some hurt. So the main thing here for you to consider, I believe, is, well, for sure, consider this, don't be a Hanan. Um, but be like a David. You say, you know, I, I kind of like that idea because if that means I get to assemble an army and go against them, then I'm all for that. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. But most likely somebody's been unkind to you and it, and it really hurts or, or they've rejected your effort to show kindness. I, I know through uh, the course of time, I mean, that's going to be relationships, right? And so how do you respond? Let's, let's think about that here. And let's do just a little bit of a review as we get into it because of the connection between the two, all right? So I'm not just filling time here. This is very important that we see that chapter nine and chapter 10 are definitely highlighting the kindness of David, which actually is the kindness of God. Remember that in verse number three of chapter nine, if you wanna look at it, you sure can, that David says, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I might show them the kindness of God? That's so important, the kindness of of God, because truly, church tonight, kindness really only comes from God ultimately. Because in the flesh, we we don't tend to be kind; we tend to be unkind. And so, David, though, wanted to show them kindness. He realized he was blessed to be a blessing, which is the same with us as well. Um, I like this about David. He did not allow the past to keep him from being a blessing in the present. Now, let me just park right there because it may be that, you know, you're struggling perhaps with showing kindness to someone or some family or some, some uh, situation or in some situation because of what has been done in the past. And if there's anybody that could have had that spirit and attitude, would you agree that David certainly could have because of the way that Saul treated him? And Ishbosheth and Abner and, 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 and the people of Israel. And I mean, really, he could, have, he could have allowed the past to keep him from being kind in the present. And I, I believe that that uh, also is true for all of us here tonight as well. That you could let past hurt keep you from being kind today. Okay, now, um, I, I kind of feel like you're a little bit tense. I'm not sure if you are or not. If you're nervous, if you think I'm, I've got something specific, I'm going to come at you. But no, 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 no. I'm just simply saying, um, we can let past hurts keep us from being kind today. I mean, that's reality. If, if you've got a family member here, and I can, let, let's just speak pretty candidly without naming names. If you've got somebody that's hurt you or, or, or a close friend or maybe a member of this church even, I, I don't know what situation is maybe hitting your mind right now, but it, but it could be your, your children, your grandchildren, it could be your wife, it could be your husband, but, but you, you could allow past hurt to keep you from getting past it. And you're stuck right there. I'm glad David didn't have that, that spirit and attitude. And I'm admonishing you here tonight that you not allow the, the past to keep you from forgiveness. But you know, a lot of people, 
Uh, hey, listen, come on now. Let, let me just be honest with you. We all struggle with it, right? We get hurt. We don't want to forgive. Is that right? Or am I the only sinner in the auditorium here tonight? Is this, is this on? Are we... No, I think we all, we can get hurt and we don't want to forgive and we get upset and we don't want to move on. You just want to say, well, I'm not going to let that go because, well, I'm so glad God doesn't treat us that way, dear friend. And I, I know you know that, but it's good for us to be reminded of that, that we're to be kind, be, okay, the children, they, they, well, one of their verses here, be ye kind, right? Be ye kind. Is that one that you learn early? Well, adults, we need to learn that even if it's just the three words. Be, okay, let's say it together. No, we don't have to do that, but be ye kind, right? And, and sometimes we act just like children. I act like a child and you do too. Right? Man, I'm glad you came to church tonight. It's true. And, and, and I see, I, I, I've experienced it within a marriage and I've seen it within marriages. I've seen it between parents and children. I've seen it uh, from parent to child and child to parent. I've seen it from friend to friend, member to member that um, you hang on to the wrong that's been done Whereas the word forgive literally means to let go. So there may be some of you here tonight before we move on to our actual text that you need to be challenged to, to let the past go in the name of forgiveness. Because I've seen bitterness and I'm sure you have as well destroy way too many people way too many marriages, way too many families. And, and uh, that's not God's will. And David said, I, I, I don't want to allow how I was treated by Saul to keep me from being kind to one of Saul's grandsons. That's how he was. And so he said, is there anybody here that I could show kindness to? And so they brought in Mephibosheth and he showed him kindness. He was lame of his feet handicap due to a fall and, and he was living as far from David as possible. You remember that last Sunday night? Why was he doing that? Well, most likely he feared what David might have done to him uh, because at that time it was very customary that a new king would wipe out anybody from that lineage so that there'd be no threats. But I love it how that when Mephibosheth came into David's presence, the very first words out of David's mouth were these, fear not, fear not. And, and David treated somebody that could have been an enemy. He, he treated somebody that he could have treated like an enemy. Listen, he treated them like family. That's what he did. Well, isn't that church what God's done towards us? That God legitimately with good grounds could treat us like enemies because we are enemies of God. Naturally, we rebel against morality and rebel against what's right. And yet God loves us and he shows us kindness in the person of Jesus Christ and, and then forgives us through Jesus and 
And so that's exactly what David did in the life of Mephibosheth and treated him like one of the family. And I might remind you again tonight before we move on that in Christ Jesus, we are seated together in heavenly places. We don't deserve his mercy and his kindness. And yet he treats us like family, not like an enemy. Wow. So then David, uh, that's, uh, I guess you could say in some ways that would be domestic kindness, kindness within Israel. So then his foreign policy is this, kindness outside of Israel. He wanted to show kindness to um, Hanan, the new king, uh, the Ammonites. So if you cross the Jordan, pull the map down. You, you cross the Jordan River, then you'd have, you'd have Ammon. And then south of there, you'd have Moab, Ammon and Moab. The, well, the descendants of the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughters. Ammon, Moab, Edom, Syria. I can't reach it on the map. There it is, way up there, okay? That's what's going on here, all right? And so David says, I want to show kindness to the new king of Ammon because his father, Nahash, showed kindness to me, which is really amazing. Knowing Nahash, whose name means snake. So some dude named Snake, you can just tell right there, he's probably not a nice guy, right? So way back in 1 Samuel chapter 11, Nahash, Snake, comes against King Saul and Jabesh Gilead, if you remember that, and says, we're going to wipe you out unless, unless you agree to our terms. And here's our terms. You've got to scoop out your right eye. Well, that, that's not good terms. That'd be their dominant eye. Most of them, you know, pulling a bow back is going to be right-eyed and such. And, and so he says, you got to, okay, so that's, that's Nahash, violent man, not nice person. Are we doing all right? Nahash, and in fact, in Amos chapter one and verse number 13, it talks about the Ammonites and how that they ripped up the women that were with children, killing both the women and the children. I'm telling you, these were violent people. So some would even say, I don't know that David even had grounds to show kindness unto them and because they're idolaters and they're violent and, and all those things. But listen, I, I don't think David is off. The text gives us no indication that David is out of place to show kindness to the Ammonites at this point. In fact, what he's doing is he's showing kindness because of the kindness even that's been shown to him by Nahash. We have no record in scripture, so I can't speak very authoritatively right here as to what it was that Nahash did. But most likely, as I read and studied, most in indicated would have been this, that as he crossed, as Saul was throwing javelins at him and he's leaving and he's fleeing for his life and he crossed the Jordan River and he crossed and he went, was going down into where? Moab. Remember that? He went down to Moab. Well, to go through Moab, you got to go through Ammon. And so it's most likely that going through Ammon, that Nahash, the king of Ammon, was friendly and kind to David. Why? Because he liked David? No, because he hated Saul. Nahash, who Nahash was defeated by Saul. Saul, Saul, um, Saul put the whoop dog on him. That's what he did. He, <laughs> he, he beat him real bad. And so, I'm sorry, that probably wasn't the best way to say that. That's what was coming to mind. So anyways, he beat him real bad. And so now Nahash is upset at Saul. And so because he's upset at Saul, then he's a friend with David because Saul is a friend, is upset with David. 
I can't prove it, but that's probably what's going on. So then he shows him some kindness. So now uh, Nahash in the process of time, many years have passed and Nahash dies and now Hanan is the new king of Ammon. And so David says, I'm gonna try to keep, watch this now, I'm gonna try to keep a civil, peaceful relationship going on between Israel and Ammon, not for personal gain measures, not of any kind, but I'm just gonna be kind to him. And so he sends this entourage of men there, these representatives, and he's gonna offer condolences. And so that's exactly what he's doing. Well, this new, uh, new cabinet, this new council around Hanan said to him, hey, listen, king, don't think for a second that David is just sending flowers here. No, 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 he's kind of scoping out the land. He's casing the place. He wants to come in here so that he can overrun us and take our land. So you just let him know what for right here. And so, so what Hanan does then is he shaves off half of their beard, humiliating them. In fact, it would cause them to go against the law because the law talks about not marring the corners of their beard. That's in Leviticus chapter number 19, if I'm not mistaken. So anyways, it would do that. But then also cutting off their clothes and humiliating them and showing their, showing their private parts basically was, was really like what you would do, what many would do. It's in Isaiah chapter number 20, how that they would humiliate defeated armies by doing this measure. And, and so it really was this, listen, it was an act of war. It was an act, a declaration of war. Basically, basically, here's what's going on. Hanan is saying this to David. David, if you, if you come back here with an army, this is how that army is going to go back. This is how this army is going to go forward. This is how we're going to defeat you and bring you under our submission, David. And, and so there was really a declaration of war. Listen, he wasn't, he wasn't messing around. He wasn't trying to be silly. He wasn't trying to be funny. No, he was being unkind to somebody that had been very kind to him. Is that right? He was being extremely unkind. He was being hostile. He was being, he was being unthoughtful towards somebody that had only tried to do him kind. Now, probably you've been in a similar situation in your life as well, where it may be that in that relationship, you've only tried. No, it's not like you're without sin. No, none of us are. It's not like you're without sin or you haven't done something that's wrong or hadn't said something that's wrong. But listen, in your heart, and your mind, your conscience is clear towards your children, towards your grandchildren, towards your spouse, towards your friends. And, and so for some reason, things got sideways. And, and for whatever it is that's motivating that, in some ways, either they felt threatened or jealous or, or bitter or angry and they turned on you and, and it really was like a declaration of war essentially. Are you following what I'm saying? They sent that email that's scathing. Or worse yet, because email is at least private, they posted it. Tried to make you look bad in front of the whole family. Or put it on the group chat or family thread and, or posted it out there in the independent fundamental Baptist world to show how bad you've been to them. I mean, these things like this happen all the time. And then they gathered this person to help them and then this person to help them. Are you following what I'm saying? Because when, when Hanan saw that he stank, he said, you know, I, I need to get some help right here. So he gets 33,000 mercenaries, 33 hired, hired 
military individuals that are going to come in and try to help them from Syria. He's pulling them down from the north and, and he's going to, he knows that, that this was a, a declaration of war. He knew what he was doing when he clicked send. He knew. And David understood it. And so David took action. And David assembled the men under Joab and they went there towards the east and they crossed the Jordan River and they came there near uh, what is called uh, Rabah, if I'm remembering how to, how to put that word together. It's the city that we're going to read about in chapter number 11. And, and so uh, they, they assembled there near that city. Well, the Ammonites coming from the, from the south and then the, the uh, Syrians coming there from the north. Joab is in the middle of that and he's really between the two. And, and, and in fact, in a very unique moment in Joab's life, I really think the gentleman thinks we're in trouble here. Now, we hadn't seen Joab like that. He's pretty confident. But Joab right here evidently is saying, okay, if they're too much for us on the north, then I'll, you come up and help us. Or if they're too much there in the south, then we'll come down and help you. I mean, really, he felt like our future is at stake here for our people and for the city of God. Okay, look back at verse number 12 again, if you would, please. Uh, I'm trying to get to, to where we can make a little bit of additional application, but I think you're beginning maybe to see it. How many of you are seeing it already right here? Okay, great. Man, that just saved about 30 minutes. That's wonderful. Um, so anyways, but, but kindness had been shown from David. Now it's been spurned. And so now here is the response that David is, is doing. But look at verse number 12, if you would again, be of good courage. And this is from Joab. And let us play the men for our people and for our cities of our God, for the cities rather of our God and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. David responded. He responded according to principle. He was not responding according to personal hurt here. This is very important to see. David is not forming an army out of, out of re retaliation. No, David is a principled man at this point. He's not responding out of hurt. He knows that he's got to act here for the good of his people. He, he can't let this stand. He's got to take action. But watch this. Here's what I see the difference. Whereas Hanan gathered together all these individuals, David gathered the people together, obviously. But here, here is who David had on his side. It's one. It's God. I noticed in the text that David did not go down to Egypt and see if he can get the Egyptians to mount up new chariots and come out and help. He did not go to the Amalekites and try to get help. He did not go down to Moab where he'd been and say, hey, I've still got a few contacts down there. Let me get some mad men from Moab. No, that's not what he did at all. And he, did, he didn't go further south down to Edom to see if he could get some Edomites. And I'm just simply saying to you, and, and he sure didn't go to the Philistines and say, hey, you know, I spent some time down there. I know things were a little bit dicey a moment ago, but I'm going to see if I can get them to help me. No, here's what David did. He didn't get people involved that should not be involved when there was strife. He just simply did this. He took action, appropriate action. Okay, now this is where we need to make a very clear distinction here. This is David acting as a king of a nation. So this does not give you license individually to assemble a posse <laughs> and go after somebody. No, 
You, you can't do that. This is not our church going after somebody. No, that's not it at all. This is David's proper response as a king to get his nation assembled and mobilized and trusting God to take care of what God alone can do. And he's acting according to principle and not according to personal hurt. And he's moving. He's a man of action. He's not waiting back. I noticed this about David. He didn't just let it go. He said, well, that kind of contradicts what you said a minute ago about forgiveness. No, it's a different scenario here. There has to be some action taken here. And I'm just simply saying to you that there are going to be times when you will have to take some action, but it needs to be appropriate action. Don't go online and get this person on your side and this person on your side and then talk to this family at church and then this family or this family member and then go against that person. That's not right. You need to be more principled than that. Don't go to work if you got problems at work and say, well, can you believe what that supervisor said or that supervisor did? Can you believe what that person did? Come here, you, you come over here with me. And then you got, you got, now you're teaming up on them. Or at the Christian school, students assembling together against teachers or in the dorms, let's get that RA. <laughs> well, is this making sense? No, no. Listen, even, listen, even if you have been wronged, it does not give you license to be wrong, to speak wrong, and to do wrong, and act wrong, and get everybody on your side. No, here's what you need to do. Take appropriate action, which probably, since it's a battle, you need to start where battles begin for the Christian. That'd be on your knees in prayer. And trust God to do what seemed to him to be right. Isn't that what Job said, basically? Let's let God do what he seems to be right right here. And what you ought to do is just step aside and say, God, I can't handle this situation. I don't want to be unkind because I've been unkind. To, it's been coming to me unkind. But being reviled, you reviled not again. Being threatened, he threatened not. When he was slandered, he didn't slander. When he was slandered, he didn't slander. That's our Savior. That's our example. And so I don't, I don't know exactly what it is tonight that you may be dealing with, but there may be someone, it almost feels like they've let an attack on you. I know this is about David also. He didn't give up when th things got tough. He didn't give up. When things get tough, within a family or within a marriage or within a church, it's not time to give up. It's time to go to the right source. It's time to take the appropriate action. See, David responded to that rejection of kindness to Hanan based on principle rather than personal hurt. In fact, I, I thought about it this way in terms of just saying it in a way that might be a little bit memorable, but when, when your kindness is spurned, be careful to whom you turn. Kindness spurned? I mean, you, you made the effort and it's spurned, it's rejected, it's spurned, then make sure that you turn to the right one. I mean, all of us are going to face rejection. 
You know, here, here's what can happen. You can get to the point where you think, I'm not even going to try because if I ever try again, I'm just going to get hurt again. God doesn't want you to live that way. But it does hurt when you get rejected. Remember getting picked last for kickball? Multiple times. You know, as you knock doors, you're going to face some times where you're rejected. It's going to be that way. Just heard Brother Sam tell the story about uh, when he was 22 years old over in First Baptist Church in Dell City. 22 years old, looked like a kid. And uh, he said that the, one of the assistant pastors had dropped him off to go door knocking. And you might remember this. I don't know if he's told this story here recently, but got into an, a well, uh, a nice neighborhood in Dell City, brand new, nice homes, manicured lawns. He said he walked up to the door just by himself, knocked on the door and a lady in her mid thirties, maybe early forties, well, ref just refined, classy, basically looked at him like to say, what do you want? kid. And he invited her to church and, and then turned around to walk away. And he said he felt like the driveway was three miles long. She was just staring a hole in his back of him. And then she, then he heard her say this, Sam, come here. And he turned around and started walking back up. And she said, not you, the dog. Said then the, the driveway felt like it was nine miles long. <laughs> Rejection hurts, doesn't it? I mean, we got the greatest message on earth and you knock the doors and somebody says, I'm not interested. Or they really, they really give you an earful. What do we do? Well, we don't go back and egg their house. No, we respond in principle, not personal hurt, because it's really not them rejecting us personally. We respond in kindness. How do you respond when, when it's a friend that's spurning your kindness or even your spouse or your child that you're trying to help? Or your parent, even, that you're trying to reach out to. See, we, we tend to react rather than respond. You get that mean-spirited email. You go to it and you're ready to send one back. They take a jab at you on social media. You think, I'm going to prove them wrong and look at all those comments underneath. Is it worth it? Lose your testimony. When that family member makes a snide remark, God wants to help us respond in principle, which means there's a moral rule or guidance, a guiding principle or principles. And I, and I see here that David did that as he addressed the problem directly. He didn't get other people Assembled. He just addressed it directly. Isn't that what Jesus told us to do? That when you have an offense, that you go to that individual one-on-one, -on -one, Matthew 18. 
and you work through that. He addressed the problem directly. And then, then I see quite simply this, that he trusted the Lord to take care of them in that situation. And God did. He did. Romans 12, would you please just very quickly. Romans 12. You see, God wants to help us when we deal with problems between people. There's three basic ways that you can do that. Someone shared, you can blow up, that destroys the person. You can clam up, that destroys you. Everybody hear that and know your turn. I want you to get that. You could blow up and that destroys the other person. You could clam up and that destroys you. Or you could respond biblically and do what Romans 12 is going to show us to do. Romans 12, and we'll conclude with this here in verse number 18. If it be possible, Paul says, as much as lieth in you, live how? peaceably. With who? All men. You, do you see what he's also saying? He's recognizing there's going to be some times it's not possible when somebody's just not seeking peace. Well, just because they're trying to run you off the road, that doesn't mean you have the license to run them back off the road. They're not driving right. You make sure you're driving right. As much as possible, and it lieth in you, then live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not. Look at what he says right here. This will help you. Avenge not yourselves. But rather, what does he say to do? Give place unto wrath. Literally, it means this. Step aside. Literally, step aside. Let, let someone more qualified handle that than you. Hey, Step aside. Step aside. You, you, you got that contention? Okay, so maybe, maybe you're not in that. It'll happen sometime. Be ready and say, God, I'm not going to handle this. I'll do, I will do what you want me to do in the spirit that you want me to do it, which may mean that you do go and talk to that individual. That's Matthew 18. There comes a point where right here it says, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if, look, look what he says to do here in verse 20. You say, I kind of like that second Samuel approach where we get the army together and we go after them. That's a nation. And by the way, by the way, Israel is on perfect grounds to deal with Hamas as they are. Perfect grounds. That's a nation's response to a terrorist. Perfect grounds. Now for you and I to take vengeance, that's not perfect grounds. We've got to give place. So what, what do we do if we don't get to assemble our army? Well, if you see your enemy hungry, then give him something to eat. If you see him thirsty, it says, if, if he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You say, man, I, yeah, I like that. I, I'm going to underline that part. Coals of fire on head. Check. <laughs> now, you know, <laughs> you know what that means? That means by you showing the kind of kindness that God wants you to, God can use your kindness to bring them to a place of repentance where they're ashamed. And so verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's not natural. That's why we need to walk with God and let him help us. And so, Father, I pray that when we're spurned, 
that you'd help us to turn to you. Lord, I thank you for teaching us these lessons and giving us this record of scripture. And if I've studied this right, I see that David was responding according to principle rather than just personal hurt. And Lord, we should follow that same example, though the application of it would look much differently in our day and time in particular situations. God, I would imagine in a congregation this size that there are strained relationships that need to be mended. I pray that you bring repentance where there needs to be repentance. I pray there'd be submission where there needs to be submission. First of all, towards you, Lord, that's where we've got to begin. Please help us to do that, I pray. To begin with you, Lord, where we may be out of line or off, God, would you help us to be right with you? And being right with you, then right with one another, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.